everyone. Welcome back to the Adoring 20s podcast. I'm Patty. And I'm Marissa. So Patty and I watched Bridgerton this last week. Um, and this inspired us to make an episode about popular Netflix short series. So we're going to be talking about which ones are our favorites which relationships in these shows are our favorites. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Bridgerton at the end. But we are going to be talking about You, Outer Banks, Never Have I Ever, Emily in Paris, Dash and Lily, and of course Bridgerton. Yeah, we decided to focus on the romantic drama and romantic comedy area areas and also, all of these shows came out last year in 2020, except You, um, which came out in 2018, but we decided to include it anyways because we feel like it sort of was one of the original romantic drama types of shows that Netflix came out with, so we'll start with that one. So, Netflix calls You Dark and Suspenseful. Um they say that it is a dangerously charming, intensely obsessive. Oh, my grammar was wrong. They say it is about <laughs> a dangerously charming, intensely obsessive young man that goes to extreme measures to insert himself into the lives of those he's transfixed by. So basically, this show is about this guy. Um, it's the same guy who plays Dan Humphrey on Gossip Girl. And actually. Yeah, Penn Badgley. And I think that this show is just kind of him taking his Serena obsession to the next level. Um, he's just obsessed with this girl and really wants to be her boyfriend and be a part of her life. And he gets creepy about it. <laughs> yeah, very creepy. Um, the second show we're going to talk about is Outer Banks. And Netflix categorizes this as a teen drama and says the show is exciting. And it's a, and they say it's, it's so hard to read their description, but Netflix's description, description of the show is on an island of haves and have nots, King John B enlists his three best friends to hunt for a legendary treasure linked to his father's disappearance. And yep, that's pretty much what the show is about. Um, the show came out in the beginning of quarantine, right? Yeah, it did. And yeah, basically, John B's dad disappeared looking for some treasure. I, I think it's some gold. And he and his friends try to find it and then kind of get mixed up in some trouble with one of his friends, his girlfriend's dad. But that's kind of a spoiler. So, you know, if you <laughs> haven't seen it yet, whatever. <laughs> and just to be clear, I know they're searching for gold treasure, but this is not a pirate show. <laughs> no, they're like on the outer banks. You know, it's, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew because it would be really disappointing if they were expecting maybe some like Kira Knightley, Jack Sparrow action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no pirates. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, pirate fan. <laughs> we just pulled some 
of the keywords that Netflix uses to describe these shows and also we also and we also pulled um the descriptions that Netflix have written for the shows okay never have I ever so this show is categorized as a teen drama comedy it is quirky heartfelt and feel good according to Netflix um And the description is, after a traumatic year, an Indian-American teen just wants to spruce up her social status, but friends, family, and feelings won't make it easy on her. Um, Yeah, so this this show was written by Mindy Kaling, and I feel like it really has her personality in it, but um, it's just about this girl named Davy who's in high school, and she has a lot of bad things happen to her and she is not the most popular and then she just wants to be cool and this is about her journey in trying to become cool and the fourth show is emily in paris and netflix categorizes this as a romantic drama romantic comedy and a drama <laughs> and they say this show is campy quirky and romantic and this the description is after landing her dream job in paris Chicago marketing exec Emily Cooper embraces her adventurous new life while juggling work, friends, and romance. And basically, Lily Collins, who plays Emily, moves to Paris to help this marketing firm that her company acquires. And her whole angle is like she's a social media expert and she sort of falls in love with her neighbor person. Patty, what does campy mean? Google says it's absurdly exaggerated, artificial, or affected in a usually humorous way. Yeah, that actually describes the show perfectly. Wow, yeah, that's perfect. Um, thank you, Merriam-Webster.com. That was my verbal citation, so I don't have to, like, cite my source, you know? It definitely is exaggerated. They depict Americans to be pretty atrocious I would say um but we can get into that later we'll get into it (laughs) um okay the next one we're going to or I'm going to describe is Dash and Lily this is categorized as a romantic drama romantic comedy and this is also based on books um Netflix says this show is understated and romantic I feel like understated is a weird way to describe a show. I agree. I do think it is understated in the sense that it wasn't the question. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. Um, like, I, I've definitely heard it before, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that means. I mean, I think of it as when the Met Gala theme was camp. It wasn't like a big deal when it came out oh yeah it was kind of like subtle yeah not that the show was underwhelming but um it was kind of slept on I don't know if that should all I I guess I can that suits this show okay okay I'm okay with it um (laughs) the description is opposites attract at Christmas I don't know if I'd actually call them opposites but again we can get into that later (laughs) Opposites attract at Christmas as cynical Dash and Sunny Lily. Sunny <laughs> Lily. <laughs> I think I have trouble with L's. 
Sunny Lily trade messages and dares in a red notebook they pass back and forth around New York City. Um, so, yeah, this show is about two New York teens who like to read a lot. And um, they sort of start to form a relationship through dares in this notebook. And they learn more about each other through that. Um, yeah, the Netflix description was pretty good. That's all I have to add. <laughs> the final show that we're going to talk about is Bridgerton. And it's categorized as a romantic drama and a period piece. And it's also based on a book. And Netflix says this show is swoon-worthy, witty, and emotional. I think that is pretty accurate. <laughs> and the description is, the eight close-knit siblings of the Bridgerton family look for love and happiness in London high society, inspired by Julia Quinn's best-selling best novels. And that's pretty accurate, although it really focuses on one specific Bridgerton and her journey to marriage, I guess. That's all I'm going to say for now. <laughs> and it was hard to, like, try to describe the shows with without giving away too much. <laughs> yeah, although we should put a disclaimer and say that there will be spoilers in this episode. So if you hate spoilers and are in the middle of watching any of these shows, maybe finish the shows and then definitely come back and listen to the podcast. We'll try to keep some as much as we can under wraps, but this is this is your warning right here. Yeah. So now we're going to be ranking the shows we just described and explain a little bit why we're ranking them where we are. So just to refresh everybody's memories, we are ranking you... Outer Banks, Never Have I Ever, Emily in Paris, Dash and Lily in Bridgerton, and we will be starting at our number six spot for our least favorite of the bunch. Um, this was Emily in Paris. <laughs> I don't think we were alone in feeling this way because when we were looking up the Netflix descriptions for these shows, we had to go incognito so Netflix like would show us the descriptions and when I googled Emily in Paris it said people also search for why is Emily in Paris so bad <laughs> now I I'm going to say I will probably watch season two of Emily in Paris but I I didn't I I thought that there were a lot of underdeveloped plot lines in it I feel like that's an obnoxious thing to say but like she at the beginning she has this boyfriend and everything seems fine and he's going to come visit her and then suddenly he says come home from Paris and then suddenly she's over it I think that was not developed well and I mean she has a boss that's kind of rude to her but I feel like I feel kind of unfun having the criticism that I feel like it's a bit unrealistic of her like moving to Paris and actually living there but it did feel really unrealistic like aside from her boss not liking her I feel like a lot just sort of like went her way and there were some fun moments it was entertaining but in Gabrielle mm -hmm. her love 
he's really nice to look at so that also helps and Lily Collins is also really nice to look at I agree I definitely will be watching the second season and I think the show is done well in the sense that the episodes are short and it's a very easy watch but the best way I can describe the show is that the storyline is pretty mature I would say I mean not like mature in like a um inappropriate way but like I I think it's more mature than say like Dash and Lily and Never Have I Ever um but the acting is done very Disney Channel like and Mm -hmm. everyone's like reactions to things are very exaggerated which is why I think Netflix described it as campy so I guess that was intentional (laughs) um but all that is to say, I, I mean, I don't think this show was amazing. We did rank it at number six, but I still did. There were parts of it that I enjoyed. Yeah, I was definitely entertained by it. Um, I think they did a good job of like, I don't know, like it was like kind of a fun show, but I agree with what you're saying, Patty, whereas it feels like the writers from Hannah Montana were told like, like write a show about a 25 year old and they like didn't change their like Hannah Montana mindset and it's just like it it feels like a show that's like written for like 15 year olds about like a like a 27 year old and Mm -hmm. that might have been what they were going for (laughs) so coming in at number five we have Outer Banks which I know a lot of people really liked this show and I think it was very well done in the sense that at the end of every episode I was like oh my gosh I have to find out what happens next because it is more of a an adventurous type of show and they do have really good cliffhangers but there was just something about the acting (laughs) (laughs) and it's really like I feel bad criticizing actors because I know I couldn't do a better job (laughs) and I know acting's really hard but there was just something about it that was so like that I couldn't take it seriously so sometimes I would get taken out of the scene if that makes sense um Marissa Mm -hmm. didn't watch this show yeah I didn't see it so I'm really uh uh this is all depending on Patty's opinion of it but I'm gonna be honest like I saw it and I was just like, oh, that looks kind of cheesy. And then I didn't watch it. I've seen Ratatouille too many times recently. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know who Anton Ego is, Patty? Is he the food critic? Yes, he is the food critic. (laughs) I got it. Ratatouille's top of my list. But anyways. So coming in at number four is Dash and Lily. I thought the show was really cute. Um, uh, it wasn't, like, it didn't wow me, I would say, but I think that it, it was, like, a comforting, like, sweet show to watch. It was cute for the holidays. Um, I think that it was, like, very high school. I think that, like, I still enjoyed watching it, but it was, I mean, I totally like watching shows about people in high school. <laughs> I think that 
what I did like about it too is they felt like authentically in high school even though they weren't like the actors are like in their like mid-20s or something Mm -hmm. but when I watched it I was like oh like these kids feel like they're in high school Mm -hmm. so I kind of liked that about it yeah I think this show was underrated underrated was the word I was looking for earlier when I was trying to compare it to understated um I think it was the perfect show to watch over the holidays. Again, it was a very easy watch. And I like watching holiday shows during the holidays because I feel like, you know, a movie's so short, but you can watch a show over, like, <laughs> the span of a few days. Um, I think the show gives you something to root for because I don't think we talked about this earlier when we were describing it, but they are, like, passing notes back and forth to each other in a notebook and they haven't met yet so the whole time you're rooting for them to meet so that kind of gives you a a purpose (laughs) of like a reason to keep watching the show if that makes sense so I think that definitely helps and speaking of three third place (laughs) (laughs) what a what a good transition patty um speaking of three our third place show is you I think it is hard it it is a little unfair to put you in this episode at all because it did come out two years before all of the other shows <laughs> and there's a season two. So I will primarily, we will primarily um, judge the show based on season one, which I thought was significantly better than season two. It was. And again, very engaging. You want to keep watching it. And I think it's very interesting because you're sort of rooting for what's his name in the show oh my god I don't even remember I'm gonna look it up really quickly Joe oh I knew it was like a short name like Dan or Penn <laughs> Dan or Penn um so oh, I forgot that where I was gonna say but it's an interesting show because you're sort of rooting for the main character Joe at the same but at the same time you hate him because he's sort of the villain but he's also he's like the protagonist and the antagonist at the same time so you're sort of put in a really weird position where you want him to get what he wants but you're also like oh he's really creepy like get away so I think that makes the show really interesting and yeah he is sort of just it's kind of just his Serena obsession but escalated so first of all I think that Penn Badgley has done himself a bit of a disservice (laughs) because I feel like now he can only play roles where he's like creepily obsessed with a blonde girl (laughs) however when I watched the show I kept like really wanting to watch the next episode like I was watching it with one of my friends and uh, that I was roommates with at the time and like every day would be like oh my gosh like do you want to watch you again tonight or like do you have homework like let's watch you and <laughs> I just always really wanted to know what was going to happen next and I think this show got a lot of hype and I think that it was either a little bit too much to the accurate amount of hype that it should have gotten um, I just remember at the time like it was a huge deal I think that they did a good job with it and I don't think they did as good of a job with season two, but that's not what this is about right now. (laughs) So for number two, we have Never Have I Ever. 
I really liked the show. Like, I, I thought it was really funny. Honestly, like, I thought the main character was kind of obnoxious at times. But I think she did a really good job at playing the sort of obnoxious teen role. And I thought that the narration of the show was funny. And I just thought that all around it was cute. Like, all the episodes were entertaining. And I... I would say that this is definitely like the funniest show out of all of them on here. I mean, some of them aren't supposed to be funny, but <laughs> I, I, I think that some of them were labeled as like romantic comedy and like, yeah, like they had like funny moments, but I think like this show was pretty humorous and I think it did a really good job of taking some traumatic events that happened to Davy, the main character, and still making it like a lighthearted funny show while also sort of showing her and like her family dealing with these things Mm -hmm. and I think that it did a really good job of that yeah I agree I think the show was really well done I think the storyline was kind of a familiar high school storyline but it was still very unique because it had a lot of different twists and it was also surprisingly emotional at the end I cried embarrassingly enough (laughs) Well, actually, no, I think, you know, it was sad at the end. Or Not that anything bad happens, just that there's an emotional scene. Um, but yeah, I think, and the show is really funny. There's a lot of humor in it. And obviously, you know, it's a high school, like a Netflix high school show. So it is a little bit cheesy, but I feel like that adds to it. It doesn't take away from it the way it kind of takes away from other shows. And I also liked the diversity in the cast. Yeah, and I liked, too, how they talked about um, how she wasn't really interested in learning about her Indian heritage. And then Mm -hmm. there was that one character who was older than her who said how he, like, started to appreciate it once he went to college more. And I think that that was just, like, a cool aspect to put in there because I think that a lot of shows don't really like highlight how people might deal with that yeah that's a really good point our number one show also did a really good job with diversity and that is Bridgerton the whole reason why we are making this episode um I loved Bridgerton I think it's the best show I've seen in a really long time um I feel like they tied like all of the categories that Netflix described the other shows with really well it has a little bit of humor that's not that's not like the main part but there is a little bit of humor there's a lot of romance there's drama there's a little mystery it really keeps you just wanting more and it is a longer show like I think out of all of these shows it um it has the longest episodes but when you're watching it you just want to keep watching and I feel like the storyline was just really well developed and the cinematography was also really well done and the music was really well done and it's it's just a really good show and if you haven't seen it yet I can't recommend it enough. I also loved how they gave each of the siblings at least like the more relevant siblings like <laughs> the older siblings they gave them all sort of like distinct storylines and personalities and I really liked that about this show because I 
think that it was like sort of fun to see all of those storylines as well. And this show just had beautiful people, beautiful outfits, beautiful <laughs> sets. Um, everything about it was beautiful. <laughs> and I think they did a really good job developing all of the love stories in it. And I, I really liked the sibling relationships as well. And I understand that sibling relationships aren't always fun all the time. But I just think that, like, for example, with this one brother, Benedict, and this, this sister, Eloise, I thought that they had, like, a really cute sibling relationship where they were sort of both encouraging each other to sort of do what they wanted to do, even if it wasn't what society was telling them to do. Um, and I loved the mom. The mom was great. <laughs> They had the coolest mom, <laughs> like coolest in terms of like 18, 13 or whatever. But like she was before her time. Yeah. You mean ahead of her time? Yeah. <laughs> I think the show did a really good job with like portraying feminism too, because it does take place in the 1800s. So women have a very specific like housewife role that they had to play into and the characters really respected that and knew that that was what they needed to do, I guess. But they also wanted to take control of their lives, if that makes sense. Like they weren't too, they weren't rebellious to the point that it wasn't believable. But they were also like, no, like I I don't want to get married just because I have to. I want to get married for love and like I want it to mean something. And then there's also that other scene where her brother completely messes everything up and her mom has to, well, I mean, I'll just, I'll get, I guess I'll get into it now. <laughs> Since their dad passed away, her brother is the head of the household and he has to sort of take on the responsibility of helping Daphne get married and he sort of like messes everything up and her mom's like, okay, clearly like you can't handle being the head of the household and she has to take care of it and she does it in a very creative way, I guess. I think the show handled the topic of race really effectively and it was really well done and not really something I've seen before especially in a period piece like this that had ta that takes place in the 1800s. Yeah there were black people and white people welcomed into their society. It just seemed like they solved racism sooner than we have today. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. the king uh, was white and married a black woman and they sort of said that that was the reason why race wasn't a determining factor of status and why Daphne and the Duke for example were allowed to have an interracial marriage in England in the 1800s. I thought that it was cool that there was that this was addressed in a period piece and that they were able to have such a diverse cast in a period piece too. Okay, now we're going to rank all these shows in order of which relationships we were most excited for and the ones that we were happiest to see them get together. So number six is you. <laughs> For obvious reasons, because Joe was super creepy to Beck, and 
he didn't treat her well in the end. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, like, I think this is a pretty obvious last choice. Because he was weird and creepy. And he is really messed up. And ended up treating her badly and being a weird creep. (laughs) Yeah. Because he thought he was in love and was doing everything out of love but he was really just crazily obsessed and really jealous yeah so we weren't we weren't that happy to see them be together so that's why it's number six (laughs) yeah and number five is never have i ever with what's her name (laughs) Davy and Ben Grossman. (laughs) I think this show has you sort of rooting for her and Paxton. And all the same, at the same time, the show isn't as centered around a relationship. So I think, you know, putting them at number five doesn't necessarily mean anything bad about the show because the show just isn't as centered around a relationship, which, you know, is fine but I think that's why they are also lower yeah and I think too like for example with Paxton to an extent it's just like it's just kind of funny and then it's sort of like at the end sorry this is a spoiler it's (laughs) she isn't necessarily like with Ben Grossman or Paxton Hall Yoshida (laughs) um she just kisses Ben Grossman (laughs) yeah so I was like, oh, like, I'm happy for them, but because it didn't seem like she should be with Paxton. So, (laughs) for number four, we have Emily in Paris. This one was kind of rough because you want her to be with Gabrielle so badly, but his girlfriend is the nicest human being. She literally saw Emily on the street and wanted to become her friend and was so kind to her so as much as her and Gabrielle would be a beautiful amazing couple and they really seem like they like each other a lot they have great chemistry and they would be an amazing couple but we couldn't put them higher because his girlfriend is so nice to Emily and so kind And it made me feel bad for her. Yeah, I would say that out of all of the shows on the list, Emily and Gabrielle have one of the best chemistries. That that sounds weird, but they have really good chemistry. And yeah, you really are rooting for them. And if Camille wasn't in the picture, they might be number two because number one is (laughs) so good for But... (laughs) Um, yeah, Camille is just so sweet that, yeah, they just can't be higher. It's almost an injustice to put them at number four. <laughs> so at number three, we have Outer Banks, and this is the only show where the couple is dating in real life. And I think also because Outer Banks is a little bit more of a dramatic, adventurous show um, with a more serious or quote-unquote serious <laughs> plotline. The couple has 
more obstacles to get through together almost and there's her dad's like really trying to keep them apart and it's more of a matter of life and death almost so naturally you root for them a little bit more to be together for number two we have dash and lily so i mean the title says it all the show is about their forming relationship um and i know earlier i when i read the netflix description it said opposites attract and i think that on the outside it sort of has this aspect like he's a little bit grumpy and like she's really happy and he like sort of teaches her that like it's okay to like be upset sometimes and she sort of teaches him to like see more positives which is cute but I think that when it comes down to it they aren't entirely opposites because I feel like both of them kind of feel a little bit like alienated from their peers like they're not like everybody else they don't love big social situations and they really like to read and I think they actually have a lot in common and I think that instead of making like the other person feel out of place they make each other feel more like this is so cheesy but like like they can be themselves (laughs) they just uh are good for each other in that way because they might not be they might not feel like they fit in well with their peers but they can really be themselves around each other I really liked the fact that prior to them meeting when they're just talking to each other in the notebook that they both pushed each other to do things out of their comfort zones and I feel like they were able to build a really good friendship through that before they Spoiler alert, got together at the end. (laughs) In case you weren't sure. So, yeah, I think that their relationship was really cute. So, number one, we have surprise (laughs) for Georgia. (laughs) Because, okay, to be fair, this show is, like, fresh on both of our minds. (laughs) But I do really think that we have done it justice by putting it at number one in both relationships and show-wise. So, yeah, so we have put Daphne and the Duke at number one. And I think a huge part is because I know back then a lot of people just married based on circumstances and titles. And I think that it was really nice that they were both able to marry for love and they both made a lot of, or Daphne thought she was making a sacrifice. She did get what she wanted at the end. (laughs) But they both made sacrifices and compromises for each other. And I also feel like their on-screen chemistry was really amazing. And just, like, the way they looked at each other and every single time they, like, looked at each other, you could tell that when they were mad at each other, once they made eye contact and held that eye contact, both of them, both of them kind of softened a little bit. And I definitely think that in part has to do with, like, the amazing actors they had playing those characters. Um I think that before they did actually get together, they did a really good job of having those sweet little moments leading up to it that showed you, oh, they really like each other. And I think that those were really cute and like the buildup of that. Some of them were a little bit erotic. Um, <laughs> but a little bit. Some... <laughs> but. I think they did a good job with building up those little moments to become bigger moments and oh, then so you 
<laughs> it is cute. And I think that really, they, you, they, <laughs> I can't speak. I think that they did a good job developing their relationship in that way where you could really see them going from just like people that are hanging out to people that really enjoy their company. And first of all, what a good alliteration, Daphne and the Duke, that it just sounds like it could be the name of a movie, even though it's called Bridgerton. They could have called it Daphne and the Duke, too. Uh, but I think that gives too much away, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways, I also, I love his speech that he gave to the Queen. Oh if you haven't seen it, he gives a speech to the Queen. And that really did it for me. <laughs> yeah, basically, they had to sort of rush their marriage and they needed a special license or like permission from the queen and Daphne is like oh it was love at first sight and then the duke is like no it wasn't and then he goes on to this long beautiful poetic speech that is simply beautiful there were a lot of things that he did on his part that really showed how much he loved her which I thought was really sweet because he sort of comes off as someone who just isn't interested in finding love for a really long time or like for the first few episodes but after he meets Daphne everything changes for him and it's just really romantic they despite the fact that this sort of like love storyline has been done before I think that they added a lot to make it entertaining keep you rooting for them and to also make it like very sweet and I think that it sometimes they have a tumultuous relationship and when it was maybe not doing so well it sort of I was irritated sometimes with like one of them but I think that that just shows that they they did such a good job showing that they were in love that I was like, oh, like, no, don't do that. You guys need, like, should be happy together. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I agree that that the guy who, you know, doesn't want anything serious storyline has been done before. But I think his reasoning, although I didn't agree with it, was a lot different than what it has been in the past where guys just don't want to settle Mm -hmm. down because they like don't want anything serious they don't want any responsibilities blah 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 but he sort of had a different reason Mm